Welcome to the University of Coruscant. As part of your enrollment here, you have access to the attached Holonet recording. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Ancient Sith. You've selected a lecture by Dr. Sonny Ravencourt on Exar Kun. If you have any questions about this lecture or wish to contact us, please visit universityofcoruscant.com. Hello, students. Yeah, I'm still on the set here and not back at the university. But don't worry, you're going to get your lectures. I'm sorry, I know I sound exhausted. It's because I'm exhausted. I've been shooting scenes all morning for Tontonado, and we're finally taking a break. I'm in the lunch line right now. Thankfully, most of the shots are indoors because I honestly have no idea how they're going to make this junkyard look like Hoth. And when I say indoors, I mean inside the junk that makes up the junkyard. So in short, none of this makes any sense. And then there's the plot. Now, I haven't read the whole script because there's just the one copy and it's got so much spilled calf on it that it might as well be a holodrama about the color brown. Take this morning. I thought this other actress was supposed to maybe be my love interest. We'd had two scenes together and she didn't die yet, which is really saying something considering most of the people have been eaten by tauntauns before they get their second word out. So she starts a scene talking and she's cozying up to me and then sure enough, tauntaun growls and Francis, the lunatic director, yells cut. But when she leaves, they put a droid with the top ripped off in her place and then they tell me to finish the scene because the Tauntaun supposedly spit out half of her? So I guess she was supposed to be a droid the whole time? Ah. Well, I held her hand and I kind of dragged her out of the shot to end the scene. I seriously have no idea what's going on. Hey, what'll it be? Is... Is this lunch? What is this stuff? Yeah, this is the Tauntaun special. And this is Tauntaun Surprise. Is this some sort of play on the name of the movie? Or are you really serving Tauntaun here? Eh, sure, why not? Hang on. That's, that's not a possible answer to that question. Look, Nerf Herder, I scoop it. Someone else is in charge of words and stuff. Well then. I'll take the Tauntaun surprise. Are you really going to eat that, sir? No, I'm not going to eat this. I'm going to take it to the Womp Rats in the trailer and negotiate with them for what they're eating. They're very shrewd, sir. We lost access to the blender at our last sit-down. I don't have a lot to lose here, Todd. Now that the blender is gone, I guess I did have something to lose. I really did like that blender. Well... Since it appears as though I'm going to have to dip into the personal funds to pay for some meals, I might as well do this lecture and get a check from the university. Sometimes the best of intentions start out noble, and then they go a little sideways. Sure, you wanted to fix a broken system, but in order to do that, you might have to bend a few rules. So you take a step down a path that maybe you know you shouldn't, but it's for a good cause. Hey, while you're at it, I'll bet you could really do some good if you broke a few more. You know what? And since we've gone this far down this path of bending and breaking rules in the name of good, well, 
why not see what's a little further? And pretty soon you don't recognize yourself, and you can't see where your path began, even though it felt like little steps all along the way. This is the story of Exar Kun. Exar Kun was a human male born around 4,000 years before the Battle of Yavin on, guess what? Yavin 4! How cool is that? Off to a bangin' start. He's identified as a Force-sensitive early and taken to Dantooine for training, and Exar is a natural talent, particularly good with the lightsaber, a true swordsman. His master is proud, but uh, a little wary. By the way, guess who his master is? It's Vodo Siosk Boss. Remember way back in semester one in our first lecture when I talked about a Jedi who used a force-imbued cane instead of a lightsaber? It's this guy! It's Exar Kun's master! Well, Kun prefers a lightsaber, and he's really good, and he knows it. He wants more. He craves knowledge and, well, you'd think that would just turn out good just for once. No luck. Kuhn sneaks into Boss's chambers and opens up his holocron, looking for secrets, and boy does he find them. He learns about a fallen Jedi by the name of Frida Nad, and we have just taken our first baby step down that path. Vodo Siosk Bass, we gotta find a shorter name for that, but we're not going to. Vodo Siosk Bass finds out about the holocron and lets Exar Kuhn know that his curiosity was not appreciated. So Kuhn goes back to lightsaber training and takes out his frustrations on a classmate. Boss steps in, oh I guess we did find a shorter one, and Kuhn just, well, he just snaps. He wants to show Boss that he's outgrown him and takes on his master. Boss, with only his force-powered cane, makes Kuhn collapse. But Kuhn, right before being defeated, snaps up a second lightsaber and powers back with a fury. The two-bladed attack is too much for the master, but Kuhn stops himself before killing Boss. Party's over though, and uh, Exar Kuhn takes a ship and heads out to what he thinks is the answer to his questions, the tomb of Frida Nad. He eventually finds the tomb on the moon of Duxon, and finds the spirit of Frida Nad willing to speak with him. The spirit gives Kuhn a scroll from Frida Nad's master, Naga Sadao which contained the location of the Sith homeworld Korriban. Exar Kun still wants to be a Jedi and use this knowledge to propel the Jedi forward, but he keeps having to compromise the code by doing things like killing his guides who turned on him at Nad's tomb. The final straw came when Exar Kun makes it to Korriban. The spirit of Frida Nad guides him into a temple in the famous Valley of the Dark Lords, but once inside, Frida Nad brings down the roof on Kuhn. Kuhn is absolutely shattered, his bones broken, collapsed, and dying. Nad tells him that the only way to survive is to embrace the dark side. At this point, Exar Kuhn has taken so many little steps down the path to darkness that this is just one more little step. It just happens to also be the last one. Embracing the dark side and all of its pain and suffering, Exar Kun's body repairs itself. Kun still thinks he's a Jedi, mm, but he's not. When Kun returns to Yavin 4, he finds that he's no longer connected to the light. 
and he's captured by the local Masasi tribe. But before being sacrificed, Kuhn takes the Masasi leader's talisman and kills the Sith worm that was sent to eat him. Frieden Nat is impressed, and he says that it's high time that they got Nat a real body, but Kuhn finally realizes that he's no longer a Jedi. And you know what Sith don't do? Share. Kuhn uses the talisman to obliterate the spirit of Frieden Nat. So, a couple quick things happen. First, the Masasi think that Kuhn is pretty cool now, so they become his army. Second, Exar Kuhn finds the ancient Sith alchemy lab of Naga Sadao, which he uses to upgrade the Masasi into terrifying force-powered beasts. Next, he goes after the former apprentices of Frieda Nat in order to eliminate any competition, as Sith do. One of those apprentices was Ulik Keldroma, who was also having his own personal struggles with the dark side, and it just so happened that Keldroma also had a Sith talisman. They fight, and Exar Kun is shocked to find that Keldroma is at least his equal with a lightsaber. And, well, that's always a scary feeling. When Kuhn heavily draws on the dark side, his talisman and Keldroma's talisman connect, and suddenly, from the combined talisman, appears the spirit of the granddaddy of them all, Marka Ragnos. Ragnos says, Exar Kuhn, you are the future of the Sith, and you, Ula Keldroma, you are now his greatest apprentice. When Marka Ragnos pops out in ghost form and tells you what's up, well, that's pretty much it. And so that's exactly what happened. Master and Apprentice. You remember our lecture on Bane and Xana? Things are fine until you go your own way for a while. You know how on a planet, if two groups of species get separated, they can start to evolve on different paths? And maybe when they're reintroduced back together, they don't get along like they used to. Well, it happens with Sith Lords and their apprentices. Like, a lot. You'd think they'd see this coming, but it usually takes them all by surprise when it happens. Exar Kun goes one way, in search of a group of 20 Jedi, which he will use to create his Sith Acolytes, and Ulik Keldroma goes another, defeating Mandalore the Indomitable, and recruiting him and his Mandalorians as the new army, as well as capturing about 300 Republic ships. So, you do the math. You got 20 converted Jedi versus two armies of Mandalorians and 300 ships. Who came out ahead here? Keldroma clearly thinks that he did, and he wants to go sack Coruscant, taking the galaxy now. Exar Kun wants to play a longer game, and he builds up his new Sith before attacking. Keldroma gets the okay from Kun, but Kun isn't going to go with him. It's sort of a good luck and let me know how it turns out kind of thing. Well, eh, it doesn't go great. Things fall apart a bit and Keldroma is captured by his former brother Kay and his former girlfriend, Nomi Sunrider, which is a great name, by the way. Nomi Sunrider. Whew. News gets to Exar Kun, who decides to take this opportunity to let fans of history like myself officially chisel him into the upper echelon of impressive dudes. Kuhn busts into the Galactic Senate during the trial of Ulik Keldroma and uses Sith sorcery to freeze the crowd in place. He kills the Chancellor and then is challenged by his former master, 
Voto Siosk Bass. Exarcoon breaks Boss's cane, and then Boss himself, while debuting one of the first double-bladed lightsabers ever seen. He tells everyone, yeah, we run this place now, and then he just casually walks out with Keldrama. Now, that is how you do it. So, the galaxy is in total chaos, but for Exarcoon, it's just business as usual, and that business is knowledge. And there was no greater place of stored Sith knowledge than the library on the planet Ossus. He and Keldroma rob the place, but afterwards something really unexpected happens. Keldroma is confronted by his former brother Kay and girlfriend, Nomi Sunrider. It's hard to keep Sith emotions in check, and Keldroma slays his brother, immediately breaking his own spirit in grief. Sunrider lashes out and cuts Keldroma off from the Force, cuts him right off from the Force, and captures him for a second time. But this time it's different. Exarkun is gone now, but Keldroma repents. He was cut off from the dark side by Sunrider, and he was able to see what he'd done and what he'd become. Now he knows that he has to stop Exarkun, so he gives up the location of Yavin 4. So, Basically, the entire Republic get in their ships and go to Yavin 4 to fix this problem. Exarkun is no idiot. He knows what's about to happen. So instead of dying a noble fighting death, he does the most Sith thing ever. He gathers all of his Masasi warriors and using Sith sorcery, he sacrifices thousands of them in order to convert him into a spirit haunting the halls of his temple on Yavin 4. The Republic come in and take care of the rest, and Keldroma, looking for his former master for a big final showdown, well, he can't connect to the dark side, so he can't even hear Exarkun calling to him from the beyond. Kun gets up to all sorts of shenanigans in that temple over the next thousand years. Probably wasn't a great idea of Luke Skywalker to make that particular temple a Jedi training center? Kuhn finally meets his end thousands of years after the Battle of Yavin at the hands of another spirit, his old cane-swinging master Vodo Siosk Bass. But my money says that Exar Kuhn was probably pretty tired at that point. One of the most terrifyingly powerful and arrogant Sith Lords of all time was relegated to kicking around a temple on Yavin in ghost form. I'm pretty sure that he was happy for his final release into the Force. Well, that's it for that. At least I'm going to make enough credits from the lecture to buy some meals for the next few weeks. I think that seriously might have been Tauntaun in that pot back there. Sir, come quick! The Womp Rats have two cans of Jogan fruit, and it's between us and the kid who makes the cue cards. Todd, you get us that Jogan fruit! I am not losing another negotiation to a kid that can't spell Hoth. This concludes your selected lecture from the University of Coruscant. For all questions or to contact us, please visit theuniversityofcoruscant.com. Hi, this is Dr. Sonny Ravencourt and the legal droids behind me. No, I'm not going to say your names. 
They want me to remind you that if you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and leave a review or a comment. It helps us out tremendously, and it allows the university to continue to provide you the best in Star Wars history. Are you going to pay me for another take? Well, then I'm not going to do one. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit redfivenetwork.com.